Hey, Everlast, what's going on? Hi. Welcome. Are we doing okay tonight? Amen. Yes. Good to see everybody. I've met some new folks. Who did I meet? I met, I met Juan and Allison. Hey, y'all. Hi. They're like, what is he doing? Is what, you know, just wanted to say it was nice meeting you. So good. Got it. I had to get to me. I think I met maybe some other new people. I'm not sure if I did. I don't remember. I'm kidding. Um, but hey, I want to just take a brief moment to, uh, to say, listen, if you are new, uh, seriously, thank you for coming. Um, we really do pray that you feel uh, welcomed and, and, uh, and loved, um, ultimately by the love, the unconditional love of Jesus. Um, my name's Kev. Uh, you just call, say, hey, Kev. Everybody say your name out loud. One, two, three. Nice to meet you. Uh, I'm the uh, young adult pastor here. Uh, um, get to serve here with all of our awesome Everlast leadership and our Everlast volunteer team and my lovely wife, who's our young adult coordinator. Um, if, if Listen, if I haven't had a chance or we haven't had a chance to meet you, please come find us afterwards. We would love to, to say what's up. So, amen. Hey, tonight we continue in our, in our series through the book of James. We're going to be going through the, ja- uh, through the James. <laughs> We're going through the James. Uh, sounds like a dance move. Can you do the James? I can do the James. Um, we're going through James this summer. Uh, so uh, God is just, it's, we're just so stoked. God has been working in, in an awesome way. And it's been, yeah, it's been so awesome to receive such great instruction on how to live out our faith. Um, I believe God wants to continue to speak to us in awesome ways. With that being said, uh, here we go. Please grab your Bibles, your Bible apps, all that good stuff. James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Go ahead and turn there. We're going to read all 12 verses, so I'm going to take a little hoot of water. That's what my pop says. He says, take a hoot. That's, just his, that's our thing. I don't know why. And then we're going to read, we're going to pray, we're going to get going. Amen? Amen. Are you all there? If you're there, say, I'm there. Sweet. James 3, 1 through 12. Here we go. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways, and if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man or a mature man, able also to brittle his whole body. Verse 3, if we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder, wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire. A world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird of of reptile and And sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no human, no human being 
rather, can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? And lastly, verse 12, can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Let's pray. Ask God to bless his word. Father in heaven, we love you so much. Thank you for your presence. You truly are worthy of it all. Thank you so much for loving us despite us. Lord, I just pray that, um, that you would help us to listen well to what your word ultimately has to say in James chapter 3 tonight. Please continue to speak to us as, as we worship you through your word. Help us, God, to surrender, raise the white flag of all of our thoughts and affections to you tonight. And everlast, I just encourage you to pray for your own heart. Pray this, say, God, would you speak to me tonight? And now pray for those on your left and right. Pray that God would speak to them. Say, God, would you speak to them tonight? And now I would just kindly ask that you please pray for me, that God would use me to make things clear and helpful. Well, Father, please speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Here's the thing, Everlast. We love to talk. Talk, talk, talky, talk, talk. We love it. There's political talk. There's sports talk. There's news talk. That's more the boring one. There's family talk. There's a lot of talk in our generation. Can, I, can we say amen to that? There's a lot of talk. Not only in what we say, but also what we post online, right? Social media, a whole lot of talk. A whole lot of talk is on social media. You know, they say that one-fifth. Why did I put two fingers up? One-fifth. One they say that, sorry, they say that one-fifth of your life on earth is spent talking. But that doesn't, y'all, that doesn't include the amount of time that we spend talking to ourselves, right? Um, for men, the average words for a day, for men, the average is 20,000 words a day. For women, the average is about 30,000 words a day with a gust up to 50,000 <laughs> But if you speak, if, if, that's me, by the way. Like, I, I'm, I'm on that gust up of probably 80,000. But if you speak at those, if y'all, check this out. If you speak at those average rates, you fill up 66 books of 800 pages each in one year. You didn't know you were saying and writing and posting that much, did you? No. Y'all, listen, words matter. 
This is an awesome word that we're reading tonight in, in James chapter 3. It's an awesome word from him. I'm so thankful for this. Tonight, so tonight we're going to talk about taming the tongue. Now, some people, y'all, have just, they just have, they just got it. They got a natural gift of communicating. Some people are more, you know, but others are, are maybe more reserved. Um, and they don't say much to others. While some others are outgoing and they say a lot. I obviously spent a lot of time talking. When I was in grade school, I would get kicked out of class for talking too much in class. About, I just would talk about whatever, you know. I honestly, I, yeah, I spend, I spend large amounts of time talking in ministry, particularly from counseling and preaching and uh, leading different teams, you know, and whatnot. There's a lot of words coming out of this puppy. I know I have the, I've got the gift of gab. I just do. Maybe you do too. Maybe you don't. It honestly doesn't matter because at the end of the day, words matter. Words matter, period. You, 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 know, you know how the story goes, right? There was a young dude who got a job working in the produce department at his local grocery store. This young dude, and he was an exciting young dude, man. He was stoked. He was full of charisma. And he, yeah, he was just stoked for this new job. Now, this particular day that he was working, this day, it was the end of the day. The day was almost over. It was right near closing time when a lady walked up to this new young dude employee. This young, this, I'm not this young lady, it was an older lady. This lady walked up to him and asked if she could buy half a head of lettuce. He replied, half a head? Really? I mean, I don't even know if we sell a half a head of lettuce. I'm pretty sure we only sell them as like whole heads of lettuce. She, she said, you mean, she persisted, after all these years I've shopped here, you're not going to sell me half a head of lettuce? Look, he said, ma'am, if you'd like, I'll just go ask my manager. She, she indicated that, you know, that'd be appreciated. Uh, so this young dude walked just a couple of aisles over, and he found, he found the manager. He said, he walked up to the manager, he said, excuse me, sir, I, I know it's about closing time. I hate to ask this, but you, don't, you, would, <laughs> you won't believe there's this lame-brained idiot of this old lady that just wants to know if she can buy half a head of lettuce. And while he's saying this, the, the, the manager was looking at him like gesturing, like, stop. Because right behind him was the lady. Stood, right behind him stood, the old, stood that old lady. He continued by saying, and this nice lady here wanted to, wanted to buy the other half of, of the lettuce. Wanted to buy the other half. So they helped this lady and sent her on her way with her half head of lettuce. As they were closing shop, the manager was really impressed with this young dude. He was like, son, that was one of the most finest times of thinking on your feet I've, I've seen uh, you just stuck your foot in your mouth and then extracted it with expertise like great job man great job he said that's awesome he, the manager said you're not from around here are you and and wh where did you learn how to how to be quick on your feet like that the young man replied he said well <laughs> I, I grew up in Grand Rapids I grew up in Grand Rapids and if you know anything about Grand Rapids, you know it's known for two things. <laughs> the first is it's great hockey teams. I mean, we've got the meanest, strongest, just toughest hockey teams around. Funny enough, sir, the second thing about Grand Rapids, what it's known for is it's ugly women. The manager replied, my wife is from Grand Rapids. The young man said, oh, oh really, which hockey team did you play for? Y'all, I'm telling you, like, it's crazy 
Y'all, the tongue can get us in all kinds of trouble. Or it could bring life. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Proverbs 12, 18 says, There is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, verse 4 says, A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Have you ever replaced a filter in your life? A filter. Think about it. Most of, the, most of the stuff that we use day in and day out have filters. They have filters. From home HVAC systems, you know, to uh, um, vacuums, refrigerators, you know, the oil filter in your car. Shoot, like even the, an organ in our body, your liver is a filter. The purpose, y'all, of these filters is to make sure that the bad stuff stays away and the good stuff stays uh, one of the Holy Spirit's main roles in life of a believer in Jesus is to filter what is going in and out. He uses the Word of God to do this. I think it's on the screen. Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4. It says, O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. It later says in verses 23, 24, it says, search me and know me, O God. Know my heart, try me and know my thoughts and see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Y'all, this portion of James' letter, this third chapter that we're, we're, we're camping out in tonight, um, y'all, it's, it's very practical and precise. And he is, y'all, he's pinpointing the tongue for a reason. Let me just, here's some random facts about the tongue. Y'all ready? Random facts. They're fun facts. Fun facts about the tongue. Anatomically speaking, y'all, the tongue, y'all, it's nuts. It's amazing. It's crazy how God created these things, you know. I just got my finger wet. I touched my tongue. Our tongues are used more than, y'all, our tongues are used more than any other muscle in the body. From eating, tasting, drinking, swallowing, and communicating, speaking, our tongues are used constantly, constantly. Did you know that the adult man's average tongue length is 3.3 inches, 8.5 centimeters? Wow. An adult, an adult uh, uh, woman's average tongue length is 3.1 inches, a little bit smaller, 7.9 centimeters. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, the current title of the world's longest tongue belongs to an, an American. Amen. Go USA. Named Nick Stoberl, whose tongue measures at 3.97 inches. That's 10.1 centimeters. Crazy. I bet you he gets tongue-tied a lot. <laughs> Your tongue, y'all, has between 2,000 and 4,000 taste buds. Y'all, the tongue is all muscle. Don't know if you know that or not, but it's all muscle. But not just one muscle. It's made up of eight different muscles that intertwine with each other, creating this flexible matrix, M much like an elephant's trunk, honestly. Uh, it it's called a muscular um, hydrostat. 
uh, and the tongue muscles are not only muscles in the human, I'm sorry, the tongue muscles are the only muscles in the human body that are in, independently, they work independently of the skeleton. Now that's all the fun facts I have for you folks. I hope you enjoyed. Amen. Think about it though. When you're sick, when you go to the doctor to get checked, you know, to get checked out, right? One of the most common things that happens when they check your health is that they ask you to open your mouth and what? Stick out your tongue. So that they can look back and see if there's infection or not. Honestly, y'all, I would say that our, um, your tongues ultimately say a lot about your spiritual health too. The tongue is a gauge of where your spiritual health is. End of the day, y'all, words are not just connected to the tongue. They are connected to the heart. More on this later. We're going to talk about our heart later. Now, I want to talk about three things tonight that our tongues do. Three things. First, if you're taking notes, our tongues bring direction according to James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Our tongues bring direction. Here's a really good proverb. Listen, Proverbs 18, 21. Death and life are in the power of the what? Tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. The tongue, y'all, is very powerful. It, y'all, it's, it's, a, it's a simple principle, honestly. If you speak negatively, you will live a negative life. If you speak discouragement, you will live a discouraged life. Words have the power to change your life, literally. They literally do. How you talk to God, how, how you talk to others, how you talk to yourself, y'all dramatically influences the course of your life. If you are filled with words that are worthless, careless, or, or profane, um, y'all, that, is, that will be ultimately reflected in your life. Let me give some practical examples, cool? When you stand at the altar and you say, I do, I promise you that changes your life. <laughs> I promise you. If someone stands before a judge and the judge says guilty or not guilty, that changes everything. If you go to the doctor and you hear the doctor give news telling you that you are cancer-free now, those words are life-changing. When you're, when you're under attack and you can just feel the breath of the devil on your neck and you, say, and you choose to say no to temptation in the power of the Holy Ghost, that will change the course and direction of your life, right? Ultimately, when you say, yes, I will follow Jesus Christ, that, 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 all, that not only changes your direction, but that changes your destination, your eternal future. Listen, Everlast, your words matter. Words can change history, and they have. If words are demonized out of the mouth of Hitler, that's where disaster comes. If words come out of a great evangelist like our brother in Christ, Billy Graham, words can change history for the good as well. Again, y'all, words are powerful. If you speak words of faith, then you will live a life filled with faith. If you speak God's word, um, God's promises, his will in your life, y'all, it changes everything. He works for your good. Back into our text tonight, go to verse 7 real quick. James describes the tongue as a beast, as a beast. Ultimately, it's something that you can't control. James is saying you can't control it. Some have tried, though. Some have tried. 
I heard a story about a dude who was wanting to get a better control over his tongue. He decided to go to a monastery to get help. At this monastery, you have to vow three years of silence. Three years of silence. He thought this would be a perfect opportunity to get his tongue in line. Sign me up. Signed up. At the end of each year, though, the monastery lets you speak two words. The young dude made it to the end of the first year. Didn't speak a word. Stuck to the silence. When he appeared before the elders of this monastery, he, he was asked, Do you have anything to say? He simply replied, Bed hard. So he went back the next year, complete silence. Didn't say a word. Stuck it. Did it. He came back at the end of the second year. The elders of the monastery said, okay, you got two words. He then responded with, food cold. Then he spent the final third year there. He didn't speak a word. God bless you if that was a sneeze. You're welcome. He went back the whole third year, didn't speak a word, committed to silence. Then he appeared before the elders of the monastery for the final time. The elders of the monastery said, okay, what do you have to say? He quickly said, I quit. To which the elders of the monastery said, doesn't surprise us at all. All you've done is complain since you got here. Let's talk about that real quick. For real. Philippians 2, 14. Check it out. It's on the screen. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. Y'all, can I just be straight up with you? We complain too much, man. I mean, it's crazy. Yes, amen. I totally agree. If Listen, if you want to have a life full of discouragement, full of discontentment and grumpiness, and if you overall don't want joy in your life, complain. So Paul wrote to do all things without grumbling or complaining. Wow, that, that's hard. And that's all the more reason why we need Jesus. Think about it. When was the last time you complained? Even if you were to label it, uh, you know, we kind of label it a little complaint. It's like we categorize it for some reason when complaints are just complaints. Can I just be straight with you? Complaining is complaining. But we label it. It's like we we label a little. It may sound like, oh, man, they got my order wrong. My AC broke. It's too hot. It's too hot. Jeez, gosh, they're they're too slow. This is taking too long. Have you ever stopped and asked, like, why why do we complain? Don't let that slip by you. Because, man, we all fall subject to that. And we need to take it seriously. Like, why do, why do we complain? What's our heart in it? Like, what's the point? What does it do? Does it fix anything? What does it do? Well, it's simple. Why we complain is because we are obsessed with self. We're obsessed with self. We tend to think about, talk about, even pray about ourselves more than anyone else. Our flesh desires this, y'all. Our flesh wants a Burger King, have it your way type of life. As believers in Christ, y'all, that we are, we are, we're, we're called to walk by the Spirit and not the flesh. Galatians 5, 16 through 17. We read this here often. Love this passage. It's not on the screen, but 
But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. So as you can see, it's impossible, it's impossible to control our tongues apart from the Holy Spirit's work in our life. This is, y'all, this is not a small deal. This is a huge deal. This is a big deal. End of the day, y'all, we are selfish and broken and sinful, and we need God's rescuing and transformative grace every moment of every day. How do we keep our tongues from grumbling and complaining? It's a great question to ask, right? How do we keep that from happening? Prayer. And don't let that just be, right? It's qu- we're quick to just kind of dismiss it. Oh, yeah, yeah. Got it, kid. Pray. Listen, man. I heard it once said, if Christians spent as much time praying as grumbling, they would soon have nothing to grumble about. <laughs> it's so simple. It's so true. For 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, we break down every thought and proud thing that puts itself against the wisdom of God. And we take hold every thought and make it obey Christ. Everlast, listen. Prayer doesn't just change the situation that tempts you to grumble. Prayer changes you before you grumble. Prayer doesn't just change the situation that tempts you to grumble. Prayer changes you before you grumble. Y'all, we can't be passive. We have to be active. We can't be reactive. We have to be proactive in our prayers. Colossians 3.17 says, And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Y'all, growing, growing Christians, do you want to grow as a Christian? Yes, amen. Learn how, that, growing Christians, they learn how to control their tongues under the guidance of the Holy Spirit because the tongue, y'all, sets, the tongue sets the direction of our lives. That was the first thing. Tongue sets a direction. Clearly, James writes that so clearly. Bit in a horse's mouth, controls it. Rudder of a, of, of a ship turns it. It's a powerful thing. Here's the second thing our tongues do. Second thing tonight. Ready? Second thing. You're taking notes. Our tongues can bring destruction. Our tongues can bring destruction. Let's look back at our text. James 3, uh, 5 through 6. You can read along with me. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest fire. I'm sorry. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. There we go. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our, our, our members, staining the whole body, setting our, on, on fire the, the entire course of life. It's set on fire by hell. Y'all, there are, um, there are all kinds of words that can start a fire that you can't control. Smokey the Bear, only you can prevent forest fires. Let's start with, let's start with careless words. Careless words. Have you ever been run over by a hit-and-run mouth? I mean, think about it, you know? I mean, like, have you ever been run over by a hit-and-run mouth? Careless words. Jesus said in Matthew 12, 36, I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. Y'all, that should make us shudder and respect of fear. That's crazy. Y'all, careless words can destroy lives in a matter of minutes. 
The word careless comes from the Greek word um, argon, which means idle, lazy, thoughtless, unprofitable, injurious by implication, lazy, uselessness. Sticks and stones may, make, may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Not true. Words can hurt, and they hurt a lot. They can hurt a lot. A sports writer for the Atlanta Journal wrote a poem about what the tongue can do titled, Who Am I? It reads this. It's a poem. Morgan Blake wrote this. I'm, I am more deadly than the screaming shell of the cannon. I win without killing. I tear down homes, break hearts, and wreck lives. I travel on the wings of the wind. No innocence is strong enough to intimidate me. No purity pure enough to daunt me. I have no regard for truth, no respect for justice, no mercy for the defenseless. My victims are as numerous as the sands of the sea and often as innocent. I never forget and seldom forgive. My name is Gossip. I wonder how many careless words have been ruined, have ruined relationships or fractured families, torn marriages apart, torn churches apart, destroyed reputations. Proverbs 16, 28 says, A troublemaker plants seeds of strife. Gossip separates the best of friends. Everlast, you show me a person who gossips, and I will show you a person who is not praying. You show me a person who gossips, I will show you a person who's not praying. I love what uh, Leobard Ravenhill says when, when it comes to our tongues being used for gossip. Leonard said this, notice we, notice, we never pray for folks we gossip about. And we never gossip about the folk whom we pray for. For prayer is a great deterrent. I'm going to read that one more time. Notice, we never pray for folks we gossip about and we never gossip about the folks whom we're praying for. For prayer is a great deterrent. I, I thought that was so powerful. You say to me, well, Kev, I don't gossip. I don't gossip. People just tell me stuff. Well, let me tell you real quick. Do not let someone else use your ears for garbage cans. Don't participate in gossip or slander or senseless words. It is literally the opposite of God's heart. The destruction that the tongue can bring is big, but I've got great news. God's grace is bigger. It is the only thing that can turn us away from our inward and selfish way of living. God's grace is literally um, the ultimate um, blockade for our tongues. Here's the third thing. Our tongue displays our character. Our tongue displays our character. Amen. Someone said, make your words sweet because someday you may have to eat them. <laughs> I thought that was so good. Make your words sweet because someday you may have to eat them. Here's something that I believe James is, is warning us in chapter 3. I believe he's communicating, y'all, to us that the ripple effect of our words spread further than we know. Great people, great people in the Bible had trouble with their tongues. Um, Job, who, who overcame such, a, such a, a, a disaster in his life, said, said this. He said, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. 
Isaiah the great prophet, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, in Isaiah 6, 5, he said, Woe is me, for I am I'm lost. Uh, I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of people with unclean lips. That's descriptive of our generation, too. Amen? Y'all, there's so much filth in the air. There's, there's just so much violence in our vocabularies. Moses was angry one day, and he ended up out of the promised land because of it. And, 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 uh, and it says in Psalm 106, 33, that because he was angry, he said, I spoke rashly with my lips. I spoke rashly with my lips. How many times have we spoken rashly? We wish we could, you know, we wish we could get it back. It's like splitting open a, you know, a, a feather pillow. You know, the wind blows the feathers everywhere, and you, you can't get can't quite get all the feathers to stuff back in the pillow. Peter with his tongue, y'all, he denied Christ. With the same mouth, he confessed him Lord and said, I would never deny you. And yet he was warming his hands by the fires of the Romans. He ended up running away, denying Christ. It's disturbing, isn't it? When I look at my life and I see my own words both blessing and cursing, it's disturbing. James uses these illustrations of nature. He's, you know, he said at, at the end of this passage, um, whether it's fresh water or salt water, um, a fig tree or a grapevine, what James is saying here is that the root will bear the same fruit. What James is saying is that the root will bear the same fruit. So if your tongue displays your character, then your character displays your heart. So the tongue is a direct link to the heart. It's a direct link. Check this out. Matthew 15, 10 through 11 says this. And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It is not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Jesus later says in uh, verses 17 through 19, do, do you not see... That whatever goes into the mouth passes through the stomach and is expelled. Verse 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. And lastly, verse 19. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. You know, there's an old saying that goes like this. What's down in the well will come up in the bucket. What's down in the well will come up in the bucket. And I, I completely agree. The Bible says in Luke um, chapter 6, verse 45, says this, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. What you say flows from what is in your heart. Luke 6, 45. Y'all check this out. Listen real close. The person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. The person with a negative tongue has a negative heart. The person with an overreactive tongue has an unsettled heart. The person with a filthy tongue, I would say, has an empty heart. The person with a senseless tongue has a bitter heart, and so on. But let's, let's, flip, let's flip it on the other side. Amen? Let's flip it. A person with a compassionate tongue has a loving heart. A person with an encouraging tongue has a happy heart. A person with a truthful tongue 
has an honest heart. So with all that we've talked about so far tonight, how do, how do we tame the tongue? How do we tame it? I think it's an appropriate question, right? Question. One, get a new heart. Listen, if you, you don't know what you don't know, if you don't know Jesus tonight, if you only know about him and you don't know him personally, y'all, often I've heard it say, you know, like, uh, you know, I'm not religious. I've, a lot of people have said me that, well, I'm not really religious, and I'll respond with, me neither. I'm not. And it's really, it's really a, a sweet thing to, 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 to um, pursue relationship over religion. Because religion expects you to do this and to do that in order to attain the love of God. But relationship, Christ, Christ did this and did that for you so that you can have a relationship with God. So if you don't have a new heart, get a new heart. Listen, you don't know what you don't know. Right? That's a simple phrase. Check it out. First, first John 1 John 1.9. We, we share this verse so much here at Calvary Worship Center. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. And will forgive us of our sins and purify us from all, unrighteous, all unrighteousness. Y'all, that's, that's a really sweet deal. <laughs> it's, I, I always imagine, like the Bible says that God's, uh, gift of, God's gift of salvation is just that. It's a gift. So if I, if I give my wife a gift, what does she have to do to get the gift? She takes it. Didn't cost her anything. Cost her nothing. Right? Like that's, the, you, you, that, that's it. You know, the Bible says Ephesians 2. That it's by his grace and through our faith that we're saved. We can know God. That's crazy that we wouldn't, to know God. Y'all, I know God. It's nuts. I love it. He gave me a new heart. He gave me new taste buds. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, then um, the new creation has come. The old is gone and the new is here. So how do we tame our tongue? Well, we get a new heart. If you already have a new heart, realize that you have the new heart. Right? Uh, in the book of Colossians, it says that we put off our old stuff and we put on our new. I love the Holy Spirit. He's a, such an amazing helper. He's the best helper. And he, he, There's times where I forget, oh my gosh, I have a new heart. I have a new heart. Why am I acting like I have an old heart when I have a new heart? And the Holy Spirit just graciously reminds me of that, and that helps tame my tongue in moments of, 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 of temptation or struggle. So here's the second thing, how to tame our tongue. How to tame our tongue. Give God control of your tongue. When you give God control, give God control of your tongue. Psalm 141, verse 3. Mark this down. This is a good little thing. Just jot it down. Psalm one, It's on, on the screen. Psalm 141, 3. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. I love that prayer. Man, we all need to pray that often. Amen? Psalm 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to your sight, in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Give God control over your tongue. Lastly, how to tame our tongue. Use your tongue for the glory of God. 
Psalm 63, verses 1 through 5. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. And my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. You see, Everlast, here's what I need you to know tonight. This is huge. Your words will ultimately make Jesus look big or small. Your words will ultimately make Jesus look really big or really small. One of my favorite hymns was written by Frederick M. Lehman in uh, 1917. The last stanza of this hymn is, y'all, is absolutely incredible. It's incredibly poetic, so beautiful. Check it out. It's on the screen. Listen to this. Could we with ink the ocean fill, and were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above? would drain the ocean dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. So what this poem, or rather him, is saying is, check it out, listen. If the ocean wasn't salt water, but was actually ink, and if you looked up at the sky and the entire sky, <laughs> the entire sky was a massive piece of paper, then if you took every single tree created, every single tree, look at, the, look at Pike speaking all the trees, every single tree, if you took all the trees created and you turned them into pins, and finally to take the 7.7 .7 billion people that are in this world and make them professionally trained riders, it would take that much resource to display the unconditional love of God. I tell you what, the writer of this hymn, what was his name? Oh, yeah, Frederick. Good old Frederick. Frederick, y'all, he most definitely used his words to make Jesus look big. Now, do your words always have to be poetic or creative like this? Of course not. But they should always be seasoned with grace and mercy, ultimately displaying the unconditional love of Christ. Let me ask you, um, we're almost done. Let me ask you some other questions. When you speak... It's just some questions, just food for thought tonight. When you speak, when you use your tongue, do people leave thinking more of you? Or do they leave thinking more of Jesus? Y'all, our word, our words is our witness, and our tongue is our testimony. Words, witness, tongue, testimony. Write that down. Words, witness, tongue, testimony. You want to know the most powerful words you can say with your tongue? There's four of them. One, two, three, four. The most powerful words. If, if I only had four words to say to the world, I would say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Everlast, you literally have two options when it comes to taming the tongue. You can profane or praise. You can curse or bless. You can tear down or you can build up. 
you can discourage or encourage. Let me encourage you with this final verse, Hebrews 13, 15. Through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. Y'all, come on, let's, let's, let's strive. Let's work hard. Let's fight hard to be a young adult ministry that uses our tongue to make Jesus look really big. Amen? Let's pray.